Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Thanks so much for joining us here for episode 90 with Manish Sethi. Manish was just so much fun. He is an innovator who has a really cool product, but also tons of deep level thinking that have gone behind that product. And it really comes together in some cool ways. In this conversation, I got so much more than I bargained for. And I believe you will too. You're going to learn one, helpful things to do every day to make your day go smoother. Two, fundamental questions to ask in order to realign with your goals and three, how to hack your emotions. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, or the links to items mentioned, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep90. And while you're there, I'd recommend you check out some of the cool stuff we have, like the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course about slashing through the waste and getting more stuff done and having more fun with it. Some of the best tips and tricks for my enhanced thinking collaboration training are there with that or the gold nugget email summary list which gets insights from guests in your inbox all the faster and other goodies so check that on out but first check out manish manish singh sethi is an american author and internet programmer he authored game programming for teens when he was 16 years old he is best known as the founder of the behavior modification wristband pavlock sethi is the chairman and chief executive offer of behavioral technology group inc Sethi launched Pavlock in July 2013. Here's Manish. Manish, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to chat. Oh my gosh, I think we're going to have so much fun. I think we're of like mind when it comes to hacks and tricks and optimizing things. So I'd love to hear with your writing on your blog, Hacking the System and the other stuff you've done, what have been some of your most kind of noteworthy or unconventional hacks you've seen apply to the workplace? To the workplace, so for productivity and health and fitness or stuff. I think that some hacks that can be used for productivity involve kind of identifying what really needs to be done, understanding the Pareto principle, and then creating powerful ways to focus and get individual tasks done without letting it run through your entire day. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't even think these would be called hacks as much as just general things that people should do. One of the simplest ones would be choosing the right habits that will 10x your day for the least amount of effort. And some of those include writing down what you're going to do the evening before and then making sure you do it the next day. Mm-hmm. A second thing would be kind of understanding your environment and how big an effect your environment has upon your actions. There's the fundamental you know, understanding that you're a rat in a cage. As a human, you're a, a mammal and a lot of what you do that you see other people doing is happening to you at the same time. You know that if you throw somebody in a box for a few days, they're going to get really angry. Yeah. But for some reason, we believe that if we sit in our own room for several days without getting exercise or going outside, that we have the ability to command it. So a hack of understanding your own personality and who you are is important. Those are really weird ways to start off describing it, but... uh... (laughs) Well, no, that's cool, and I appreciate that. And I want to just touch base because it's come up many times with many guests in terms of... I asked in the fast faves, hey, what's a favorite habit of yours toward the end of the interview? And and one of them is often kind of writing down the key things you want to get done. Some people say the night before. Some people say the morning of. You're an advocate for the night before. What's your take on that? 
I think that there are specific keystone habits that are worth developing, but I don't think that we've kind of jumped into hacks and we haven't talked about really what we're talking about, which is why are we doing what we're doing? And I'm kind of curious where you're coming from. You asked me about a hack system and different hacks in your life. What do you want to become? What do you want to do? What do I want? Pete Mikaitis personally, huh? Yeah. Well, so many things. You know, I'm getting married shortly. That's coming up here in December. So, you know, I'd like kind of a fantastic marriage and family life. Uh, I'd like to be just sort of fit and energetic and generally at peace. I'd like to become a saint in terms of, you know, just a loving, caring person and connected with other folks and God. I'd like to have a rockin' podcast and sort of brand that's truly helpful for professionals Mm -hmm. and really kind of helping them out as well as generating sufficient income to support other things. And those are probably the big pieces. Sure. Okay. So a lot of these habits, a lot of these goals you have involve being a better person to others around you, being a happier person. Yeah being more productive in your daily life and being a little healthier in your daily life. Does that seem more or less correct? That's fair. Sure. I think that fundamentally one thing we forget to ask as individuals are why are we doing what we're doing and what's the point and what is really the solution we're looking for? It's very easy to say and jump into solutions without thinking the five whys of your problem or of what person you want to be. I just came from traveling abroad and this always starts reinvigorating my thoughts. I was reading a book while I was traveling called The Culture Code. And if you're not familiar with my blog or you haven't followed me, I had traveled for five years with a blog called Hack the System, Cheat Codes for Life, where I wrote about how to travel and how to build productivity and health hacks. And recently that's changed into my biggest hack of all, which is a wearable device company yeah. called Pavlock that helps uh, people change their habits And so as I was reading this book, The Culture Code, he talked a lot about how different cultures respect different things differently and how things that are cemented in your first 10 to 15 years of life become kind of normal and what is expected and what's the natural order of things as you get older. And that, for example, different personality traits in America are called disorders, Mm. whereas other countries, they're just normal. For example, the act of being late or starting new stuff, but feeling uncomfortable finishing stuff, mm-hmm. that's considered a key indicator of ADHD right. in America. But in both India or Jamaica, not showing up on time, arriving whenever you feel like it is just an expected outset of the culture. There's no culture of productivity. There's a culture of being. And to them, it's just normal. And so I grew up with a giant imposter syndrome where I thought my internal goal, my internal metrics have been an American cultural based internal metric of productivity, Mm. get stuff done, be on time, clean your room, you know, whatever was told to me. And I was never physically able to get it done on time. I've suffered from severe ADHD ever since Uh. I was a kid. And while I was never able to get myself to start a project more than a day in advance, I would always get one of the top grades and I would feel like something was wrong. There was this cognitive dissonance growing inside me. And as I got older, and especially in the last year or two, I started to realize that we set goals for ourselves that culture gives us, and that those goals involve in America, it's often be fit, look like this, do this, be that. And we just take it blindly because we can't see that we're inside of it, and we never question why we do what we do. So basically where I'm going with this is that recently I've been getting into the understanding of feeling And that I can't find anything wrong with this thesis, which is all that a single individual experiences life as is feelings at a given time. And that 
you know, when there's often two people watching the same situation and one feels bad about it and one feels good about it. Yeah. Even though they're watching the same thing, one interprets it as immoral or sad or angry and one imagines it as that it was really cool. All that you can get is that feeling. And a lot of us have trained ourselves through habits to make ourselves feel bad. Hmm. That the habits we choose to go after, well, most people don't think about habits. Most people just do stuff and then say they're going to do stuff and they don't see the, the side of it. So what I'm getting at here is that often the biggest core habits that people do is just consistently negative thinking in a particular pattern yeah. or even deeper than that, consistently letting themselves feel in a way that they shouldn't and getting used to that feeling, the feeling of bad. Hmm. So I would say the biggest hack of all is understanding your feelings and understanding that those are the only thing that are real. And that rather than trying to solve the external world, you could actually solve a lot more by going after that individual feeling. Does that make sense? Well, that's compelling and fascinating and intriguing in so many ways. So I would love to hear then, what are you thinking are some of the most kind of power-packed, insightful means of getting to the bottom of understanding your feelings and connections and association with those and what they mean. Yeah. I'm saying that rather than trying to solve a problem from the outset of the problem, we can approach it in a hacking way by going after how do we train feeling? Okay. I see that there's a couple ways and I'm happy to talk about exactly some cool tactics to adjust internal feelings. And okay, let's go ahead and talk about that. All right. So one first thing to understand is that the only time people are dissatisfied or unhappy is when things are A, not so bad that they're worried about food or shelter mm-hmm. or worried about like survival and safety. Makes sense. You never get dissatisfied when you have to climb a mountain because you're getting attacked. Mm-hmm. You just go. You just do it. You to just survive. Go. So the only time you can feel dissatisfied is when life is pretty good. Yeah. And that the second part is the only time that dissatisfaction happens is when your expectation doesn't match what's actually happening. You can't adjust the what's happening, but you can adjust the expectation. Okay. People get unhappy in marriages because they expect to be in love for the rest of their lives and then they don't. And then the expectation changes. But for my parents who had an arranged marriage, there was no expectation. They knew from day one they were going to be married together and there was no question because that's how it was for years. Okay. You know, they're still married to this day. So one of the first hacks is to understand that when you start to feel sad, you can adjust expectation. Now, how do you know when you start to feel sad? That is the real question. How do you know when you feel bad? And most people go through their lives living in an automatic bubble and they never think about stuff. But there's a cool trick. So every feeling is associated with a physical sense. This is kind of weird and most people have never thought about this or noticed it, but you should start to notice this. Every time you feel a feeling, there's somewhere in your body you're experiencing it too. You mean like in my belly or my ticker heart or my head, neck? Okay, I think I'm with you. There's a bodily organ or piece that's connected to this emotion. Yeah, butterflies in my stomach, you know, every time you feel anything, here's what I'm coming at. Some of the most debilitating problems that people suffer from are anxiety, Mm. self-negative talk, continuous scarcity mindset, all mental side stuff. You can't break and become a successful person, so you break it out here. Let's think about one of the easier ones, disgust. All right. Imagine that you, know, you see something like smelly feet or something gross mm-hmm. or whatever right now. Most points to somewhere in your body. And I'm guessing if I were to ask you, where would you feel that? I'm seeing it in like my nose and face. I'm like scrunched up like, ugh. 
Yeah, they could be in your face. Yeah. They could be in your face. <laughs> For me and a lot of people, it's in the stomach. Like there's a clenching of the stomach. Uh-huh. But that's interesting. You're more emotive on the face. So for anxiety, I'll, we'll ask the same people to do the same thing. Find where that feeling is. And it's often in the pit of the stomach. Oh, then the yeah. second question is, which way is it moving? And this is a weird one. And it's kind of hard to imagine this right now. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But it's hard to figure this out. But there's a trick. If you rotate your finger in one way while you imagine the disgust or the feeling mm-hmm. and then rotate it another way, one way will make you feel more comfortable and one way kind of doesn't make you feel. <laughs> that like- is wild. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to get there so I can experience it for real. Sure. Okay. So try to feel the disgust. Feeling something disgusting. Um, okay. Big old mess. And it might go up or down, but mm-hmm. there's just. Okay. When I'm moving it, forward, I feel better about the disgusting dishes and smelliness in the sink. Mm-hmm. And when I'm moving it backward, I am more troubled by it. Interesting, right? So now you've figured out the way that your sensory input goes through your stomach. In disgust or for everything? No, no, for disgust. Okay. So each different place has its own handle. What you've actually discovered here is the handle, that you cannot control the feeling of disgust as it comes to your body, Uh but you can control the way that you rotate it. Okay. If that makes sense. It's like you caught it and now you can go left or right, left or right with it. So one of the quickest things you can do, and you maybe get disgusted a lot and you don't want to, I don't know, but uh, imagine like, I don't know, let's say your wife left the dishes out and you always get in a fight with her because you get disgusted by the dishes and then something like that happens. I don't know. And your goal is not to get in fights with her as much or just to let it go. Like it's okay sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what you would do is wait till the feeling of disgust happens and then you catch yourself. And you can start to say, wait, 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 this is okay. I'm allowed to let this happen. Let me rotate this out a little bit. Let me run it through its course as a sensation just dissipates. For other sensations, or even the same one, identifying where it comes from is a really cool trick. So as you start to rewind it, you'll start to see, like, it's really hard to actually detect exactly where it starts from, but you'll notice you can pull it back and make yourself angry, pull it forward, make yourself less angry. And then each time you do that, and especially when you start using the power block, You'll start to catch yourself a little bit earlier on into the process Uh and you can identify where in the body that feeling originates. It's kind of like when you notice your left arm is dingling, then it's time to call the cops because you might be having a heart attack. Uh So this was cool for me. I actually just discovered this a few weeks ago. I found my anxiety comes from having to work. Sitting down in front of a document to write makes me very stressed and I'm not a finisher. Mm. And I noticed that my anxiety started in my feet. Okay. That as soon as I started to sit down to write something, I would just start tapping my feet and then I would just get up and walk away. And the habit of me being, you know, completely distracted and never getting my work done and whenever I have something to do, I always leave the room huh. is because of this little weird feeling that makes my feet just stand up and that I can notice it and then I roll it a couple of times, let it course through, and then I'm able to sit down and finish the work. Wow. So that's a cool trick for getting over some of those internal feelings. You're blowing my mind here. I thought we were just going to talk about a fun little device. (laughs) You gave me so much more than I bargained for it. I love it. Thank you. So I guess I'm wondering then, so the keys then identify where it is in my body. So I got that awareness and then I see what kind of direction I can wind it either forward or back. And is that the key winding? It's like my finger is extended for the listeners, is extended toward my head. My right finger is extended toward my head and I'm either moving it forward in circles or I'm moving it backward in circles. Are there other means of winding or that's the key? There's just two. I'm not sure. Honestly, I know that some people experience it up and down. Some people experience it back and forward in okay. circle. I just found circles work for me and five or six people I've 
ask this question on. This isn't my expertise. This is just what I'm excited about right now. Well, yeah. Well, I got to know. I'm just really into habits and capabilities and I'm discovering stuff that's interesting and I'm finding it's much more fundamental than the, even the product I build. Well, this is fascinating. And I've got to say, I want to do some more reps and experiments myself to see sure. if I'm a believer, but can you back it up? Can you say, is there a cool study or piece of experiment or research yeah. on top of this as well? Yeah, this is from a book by um, Richard Bandler on what's called NLP. Oh, yeah. I used to think NLP was like trying to say words so you could do like pick up from the game. Oh, uh huh. It's based on helping people with phobias, addictions, anger issues, or anxiety get control of their abilities in a way that I very much approve of. And like fundamentally, I think Pavlok is a really good example of why I'm excited about what I just told you, which is human beings love to solve problems in very indirect ways. Mm. And like human beings love to prolong problems, I should say. Okay. So like when you think about the common type of I'm anxious, I'm depressed, what do I do? I go to a doctor and get meds or I go to a therapist and have conversations about why this happened for generations for like years and like you can never finish therapy and then you mm -hmm. discover it's because of your parents. You know, it's like you still are sad. Those are like the two ways that are endemic in American society for fixing a problem of depression, right? And what's interesting is that there's another type of science called solutions-focused therapy where it doesn't focus on why you have problems but instead it focuses on what were the last few times that you didn't have a problem. Mm -hmm. So it's like some guy comes in and he's like, I'm an alcoholic. And he says, okay. And he says, I think it's because of my dad. And she, he's like, I don't care. Oh. When was the last time you didn't drink all night? Oh. Well, I guess my son had a soccer game. So I stayed at the soccer game and I played after school with the kids, you know? Okay, cool. So when was the last time before that, that you didn't get drunk? Same situation. It was a soccer game. Cool. Why don't you go volunteer at more sports? and have your kid play more soccer games, and that'll be the first step to solving your alcoholism. All right. Look for the solution, look for the bright spots, and try to replicate them as much as possible. And I think that I've been at odds with a lot of people with the product and company that I have now. So Pavlock vibrates, beeps, and can release an electric zap to mm -hmm. help you adjust bad habits. Yeah. The idea came because I used to be running my blog and I'm ADD. And so I would do experiments to help me change my productivity. I hired a girl whose job was to slap yeah. me in the face every time <laughs> I went on Facebook and quadruple my productivity. And that post went viral. And what I found interesting about it is I just like, okay, coming at a problem of I want to exercise, right? If I'm doing math, if I'm doing proof in geometry, you always think about the null hypothesis. You always think about like what the must, the truth must be. And you break it down, right? Like there's a must work and then it can't work. If you can't figure that out, you can never get a proof. So I thought about this ever since I was a kid when people would be talking about going to the gym and exercising and all that stuff. And I was just like, if I want to exercise and eat less based on like my old experience with mathematics, my null hypothesis would be this. If I want to go exercise and lose weight and I have someone standing next to me at all times who never leaves my side and every time I start to eat unhealthy food, he hits me or pushes the food out of my hand. And if I don't exercise, he pushes me. Will I exercise and lose weight? Hmm. What do you think the answer I sure is? sure think you would, yeah. <laughs> Probably would, right? Yeah. If that's true, what's the base minimum of that experience that gets us to that solution? And that solution for me was, why don't I hire someone to sit down next to me for a couple hours and slap me in the face for productivity? It's essentially a personal trainer mm -hmm. for my productivity. And yeah. the slapping never really happened. Like it happened once or twice, but it was more about the act of having someone yeah, sit. She's watching at the ready. Yeah. And it becomes a social experience and it's not just me on my computer alone, but now we're having there's a person next to me and Hey, can you look up this image? I'm going to look up this in a way it became like having a personal assistant, right? Uh -huh. Like a funny way to describe a personal assistant, but 
that idea still resonates with me so much because for some reason we're uncomfortable doing that. Like there's some weird discomfort inside of us letting somebody else help us. I don't understand it. It's like, I feel like there should be, and often I think we should pivot our business to being an Uber for people who just sit down next to you and don't leave. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, Hey, I want to work out. Okay. Well, this dude is coming to your house and he's not leaving <laughs> every day and you hit the go button and you can't get out of it now because he's going to make you swim or whatever your goal was. Like that idea, that mindset is what we're trying to do in our product. So from our product Pavlox perspective, we discovered early on that the zap is a very effective way to break bad habits, to help stop smoking, nail biting, negative thoughts, obsessive eating. Like we found that while associating zap with smoking, for example, or with nail biting creates a Pavlovian association mm-hmm. that helps our users quit. What did you use it for? Yeah. Well, I was just playing around with it for a couple of days and I don't really smoke very often, but I think it's appealing to me and I don't want it to be appealing. So I did it with a cigarette. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. And I only did it for about, it was like two thirds of a cigarette, uh, like 10 shocks with kind of each drag. And it was interesting because like the shock experience, it wasn't like, ah, you know, so much, this hurts so much as it was a little startling, like, ooh, and very unpleasant. It was just mm-hmm. like, I don't like that. It's like if you squirt a dog or a cat with a water pistol. Like, I don't like that. It was the feeling. And I seemed cool because I've long had a rubber band on my wrist that I would snap for, you know, primarily I didn't want to have like sort of, you know, hateful or judgmental thoughts. Yeah. I saw people, you know, the whole being a saint thing. And it was helpful. Like I have fewer of those. But what's cool about the Pavlok is, well, many things. One, it was more deeply unpleasant. It doesn't leave red marks or (laughs) I think it's actually a little bit more discreet because it doesn't make a snap noise. It's just like, no one has to know that I just mm-hmm. gave myself a zap, you know, unless they're looking closely at my face, then they'll probably see me go, ooh, you know, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, that's cool. So, and, and uh, have you had a cigarette since or how does the thought of Well, I don't, I don't smoke very often, so it's not a powerful proof point, but no, I have not. <laughs> yeah, and think about it next time. You'll notice the desire, like if you have the urge and yeah. it happens based on some trigger, you'll notice it and you'll probably feel the same facial disgust a little bit yeah. as your brain recompares it to the last moment. It's creating an association. It's a classical association between disgust and whatever action you do at the same time. Well, it is. it's cool and it's powerful. And I kind of want to dig in a little bit inside your getting started guide or how-to guide that comes with the Pavlok. You mentioned a nifty study with about 1,200 folks trying to do some habit breaking. Okay, so first of all, when we started the product, when we started the device idea, it was simply designed to be a replica of the slapping Craigslist girl. So a device that would know when I did stuff and it would vibrate beeper zap based on that. So about a year into the product, we discovered the studies that you're looking at in that booklet right now that showed that manual self-stimulation, self-zap, even without any software, even without it knowing, would create a classical Pavlovian association known as an aversion. Essentially, to distill that down, we found out that when it zaps you for doing something, it's operant positive negative reinforcement training. And when you zap yourself while you do something – It's classical aversion training Mm. and that while you might need the first operant to make you start doing new things like new habits, Mm -hmm. you can simply break bad habits by using classical conditioning. 
okay. in a very quick manner. No software needed. Second part of that is our hardware team was pretty good and our software team had not completed the apps oh, yet. Okay. So it was like, great, we can just focus on the hardware. And so over the last year, we've shipped about fifteen to 20,000 units to our mm-hmm. customers. We have thousands of people wearing it every day, hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of habits have been broken. We have heard hundreds of stories of users who used it to quit smoking, to quit nail biting, to quit trichotillomania, which is hair picking, mm. to quit saying uh and um, oh, wow. quit cursing, negative thoughts, getting over their ex-girlfriend, getting mm. a girlfriend, which is one of my favorites. There was I mean, obviously fitness. A lot of people lost weight, like 10 to 15 pounds without having changed their diet or exercise because they stopped snacking in between meals or they stopped late night binging. There's a story about it in the New York Times. Oh, could you share some maybe workplace or productivity kinds of habits? Sure. So productivity and workplace habits. There's a productivity Chrome extension we released Mm -hmm. that lets you put down your to-do list. It's integrated with Todoist and it makes you do those action items. So it will continuously remind you until you start focusing on one specific website or one specific task. It blocks beeping and zapping when you go on your blacklisted websites, Mm. wasting time on Reddit or whatever. You can integrate it with your Rescue Time app. Rescue Time is an app that gives you a productivity score between zero and 100 and set it to zap you if you go too low in your productivity and vibrate when you go high. So some of the habits we've had for users like that is morning routines is a big one, which I think is one of the biggest keystone habits one person could have. Mm -hmm. Then there's a lot of people who stopped opening so many tabs. We stopped going on Facebook. We stopped social media. A lot of people like quit online dating sites. The rescue time productivity thing is pretty cool because it vibrates when your score is high. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will like live for that vibration. So once they get in that level, they want to stay there. And so that has been a really big trick for users who want to stay in a productive mode. Oh, that's so cool. And I was wondering about maybe just how broad versus narrow and specific the conditioning response it gets to be. So I'm wondering, like, if someone thinks they drink too much, is it kind of like all or nothing in terms of, you know, I've associated the alcohol to unpleasantness and it's not about social versus alone drinking, it's drinking. That's just sort of the way our bodies are wired or is there some degree of precision or narrowness, targetedness that can happen? I think it's a lot more decidable than Mm. people expect. So first of all, the aversion only gets like to become a permanent thing when it's used while you make yourself do the action and overdo the zapping to create the powerful association. Mm -hmm. But if you use it less so, like in the moment, like, oh, I'm at a party and I had two drinks. Maybe I should cut down on drinking for a little bit of time. Oh, but I tend to just keep drinking because that's how my hand goes. Okay, let me press the button three times while I look at the glass of wine and my temptation subsides. Mm. Or if I'm at a party and I want to be careful of eating too many cookies, I'll quickly look at a few cookies and press the button a few times and then I won't want it as much. What I think is happening in the brain is that most of your day is spent in the back of your brain called the basal ganglia. That's where habits are. And that zap is like a surprising factor and it knocks you into prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm human mode. So I think that, again, I really want to identify if this is all true, but this is just based on my own understanding of the brain, that your actual urges, like there's a lot of habitual urges that are not real, like hunger is a real thing, but Mm -hmm. wanting more is not a real thing. Overindulging is not a real thing. So like when you zap yourself, a lot of the basic cravings will subside. Mm. So it'll help reduce like your likelihood of doing something. As for the specific broad question, I can say that like a lot of the ways that you can use it is even without doing the action, but just focusing on the action. 
we have some audio courses in the app and it'll tell you, think about this. So imagine yourself smoking a cigarette and press uh, the button. Okay. Imagine the blackness of smoke entering your lungs, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, like I used it on tortilla chips and I physically can't eat Tostitos and the uh. Tostitos logo hurts me a little bit, but I am able to eat purple tortilla chips at my house and I'm able to eat non-Tostitos outside of the house. Oh, fascinating. So many layers of association. Well, you tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover off before we kind of shift gears and hear quickly about a couple of your favorite things? Sure. Our newest app will be on the App Store. It's a habit tracking and habit training app, and it doesn't require the actual hardware device to use it. Hmm. So you'll be able to download that from the App Store. Just go download the Pavlock. I'm happy to answer any questions. My email address is manish at pavlock.com and pleasure to chat. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, I did have just a couple rapid fire questions, kind of our standard closer piece. So could you share with us a favorite habit of yours that's been really instrumental in terms of making a world of difference? I'm not very good with habits. To be honest, I'm very Mm. bad with habits. If I look at like the person who's good with habits gets off Facebook and does his work, the person who's bad with habits hires someone to slap in the face and starts (laughs) to wear to shock him because he can't focus on his habits. So I find myself a lot more powerfully motivated by short-term goals with a negative consequence. So bets or competitions. So getting in the habit of setting bets and competitions and deadlines and like things that are fixed, that habit for me is pretty powerful. So I'll set a bet with a friend at the beginning of the year to lose 30 pounds or to squat 300 pounds or something. And that will keep me motivated for a long period of time. Secondarily, getting the company and the organization in the habit of the things that I always wish I could get myself to do. So getting the company to write down what we do each day and making ourselves chat about what we're going to do in the morning during a daily standup forces me to do so. Mm. Our company is beginning a weekly workout in group together. And so getting the company to do work to go exercise makes me exercise. So, you know, if I have to do it, then everybody has to do yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> Other habits that are really powerful, I'd say meditation is a huge one that I think was a powerful habit for me to get. And my newest habit is walking to work while playing Pokemon Go. Okay. And uh. like ever since I started playing, I've lost like 15 or 16 pounds and I've walked over 300 miles. And so that's been a really good habit for me to have formed. Oh, that's cool. And two more quick ones. Could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? The death of one man is a tragedy. The death of 10,000 is a statistic. Joseph Stalin. I'm just kidding. That's not my favorite quote. (laughs) I'm playing Call of Duty and I was like, that's the worst quote I could possibly quote right now. Uh, um, I'll give you a couple. The one that was on our box is by Aristotle and the quote goes, you are what you repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, Mm. but a habit. That's always been my favorite quote. And then I think that my next favorite quote is Focus on Output by Tim Ferriss. Mm. Output. And that's it. And do you have a favorite challenge or reporting call to action you'd leave folks with who are seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Sure. If there's some kind of task you're having trouble doing, make a bet with someone next to you and say, I will give you $5 if I don't do this by tomorrow. Hmm. And then watch your internal monologue because you'll find yourself doing it in a really creepy way. And it'll just get done and you won't lose. It's pretty cool. I got to ask about the creepy part. (laughs) Your brain just starts talking like, you know, usually when you have something you want to do, but you always put it off, your brain gets distracted and thinks about everything else, or it gets really nervous and scared about it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't want to do it. Then when you make a bet, your brain starts having this other conversation with you where it's like, yo, you're going to get this done. And you start like, for me, I'll start like tricking myself. I'll be like, Uh... I'm going to get this done, but I'm going to do only this much on it. Like I'm going to get the bare minimum done to win the bet. 
even though I'm making this up in my head, it's like, it still gets done. Yeah. It's just the brain when it has a consequence starts to think in a different way. So make it, give yourself a small consequence for some small project and just watch what happens. Oh, cool. Well, Manish, this has been such a blast. Thanks so much for making the time. And I hope the Pavlok and the other things you're developing are smashing success. Thank you. Pleasure to chat. Take care, Pete. Well, I hope you're going to have some fun experimenting with some of those directions of emotions things. I've played with it a little bit and it seems to be more real than not real to me so far. Or check out the Pavlok itself or other approach to getting some classical conditioning going to purge some bad habits and have more good stuff flowing in your life and work. Once again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, or links to things mentioned, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep90. And I would encourage you to punch the subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss folks like our next guest, Michael Dolan from Truly Productive. He gets deep and very thoughtful about our habits and behaviors associated with getting stuff done in our associations. Indeed, he even worked with David Allen of getting things done for quite some time. So I hope you enjoy that conversation. In the meantime, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 